Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Aesthetic Insider Radio Show. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we have um, Carla Lundlade, who is known to many as the 911 Celebrity Therapist. Carla practices in Beverly Hills, California, and is a licensed clinical therapist. Um, depression and suicide in the aesthetic industry is not something that is ever talked about, not even often talked about. Um, and so today I um, would like to introduce my uh, guests and listeners to Carla Lundblade. Um, recently there was a, a very high-profile suicide with the um, Dr. Frederick Brandt taking his own life. Much has been talked about why he did it, what happened. Um, none of us will ever really know. But he's not the only person in this industry to have taken his life in this way. And so today um, I am discussing with Carla the pressures on a physician and um, their staff, their family, in this highly competitive industry. Carla, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. Angela, I am so delighted to be here, and I am really excited about this conversation because we're going to change the paradigm today, and I can honestly, sincerely say we're going to save some lives today. So are you ready? I am ready. I am ready. So, Carla, tell us a little bit about yourself, and how did you get the moniker 911 Celebrity Therapist? Well, you know, that's a really good question, and I think, you know, first you have to think about 911 celebrity therapists, uh, clinical therapists to the stars, professional athletes, highly professional people in the public eye. Um, You know, why the heck do those folks need uh, therapy or a therapist? That actually sounds crazy, right? But what I'm going to talk to you today is uh, the parallel between suicidal behaviors and the behaviors of highly successful people. And your eyes are going to go wide open and you're going to see where there is a high correlation or a high relationship between those two, what we would consider separate populations, and and how much they actually uh, parallel each other. So get ready because it's going to be some really good information. Well, you know, let's just start with, you know, the medical industry because that's that's obviously, you know, who's listening in to us now. Um, why do you think suicide in the medical, medical industry is so high? Um, you know, and I know there's there's so many kind of fields within medicine and we're specifically speaking to the aesthetic industry, which may not be the highest out of all the medical professions, but, but why in the medical profession? Well, I think... You know, whenever you look at a highly successful, highly driven, uh, especially highly educated, uh, definitely career-oriented individual, there is the worry, I think, legitimately for um, higher rates of suicide. And let me tell you why. I mean, it sounds like an outlandish claim on my part, but let me tell you why exactly. Um, According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is a really great site to look at, and if you go there and you look at the behaviors, there are nine behaviors listed that are suicidal warning signs. Of those nine behaviors, six of those behaviors are also behaviors for highly successful individuals. Wow. And what are those behaviors, Carla? Can we talk about that? Yeah, shocking, huh? Okay, so um, increased use of alcohol and drugs. That is a really good sign. Success can be um, experienced just like a tragedy. It causes a lot of personal stress. It causes uh, a lot of shift in who we think we are as human beings. People have this idea 
that when someone is successful that, you know, what could they possibly, they have all the material possessions, they they um, have a lot of the financial pressures removed, but uh, personal happiness and material possessions, those are mutually exclusive things. So highly successful people are very driven. You'll see a lot of times increase in use of alcohol and drugs, um, acting recklessly, you know, recklessly can also be, um, you know, sacrificing your family and your friends and those personal relationships to achieve the career goals. That can be definitely reckless. Withdrawing from activities, that means social activities, family activities, isolating from family and friends, sleeping too much or too little. I mean, how many successful people do you hear, oh, yeah, I got three or four hours of sleep last night, I'm doing good, and also aggression. Aggression and authority are very good traits to have in a highly successful person. And so when you line up the two, um, six of the nine actually uh, align perfectly with a highly successful career. Wow, wow. You know, I can't tell you how many doctors I know that don't sleep. I mean, and I've actually always been envious because I think, I wish I had as many hours in my day as they do because they tell me I don't sleep. I get up at 4 o'clock and I write journal articles and I, you know, I I think of ideas to, you know, bring better service to my patients or I have a presentation next week. And so I, you know, I, I did that. You know, I even know one doctor who he goes to the gym at 3 o'clock in the morning and reads the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times before he starts surgery at 6 a.m., and I and yeah. I do I think I, I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, instead, you know, I'm like belly six a.m. You know, I get my full eight hours every night. There is no doubt about that. Uh, but no, that, that's unbelievable. Um, wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, let me ask you, you know, kind of now to the aesthetic industry. Do you feel that this industry is any different than any of the other medical fields? Are there any different pressures in this particular field of medicine? Perhaps say versus family practice or um, orthopedics or, I mean, is it just, is it kind of all the same? Well, you know, I, you know, behind everybody in every profession there is a human being and that human being has a requirement to have balance in their life in, in very textbook ways. And if we don't do that as human beings, then when we become out of balance, there are some probably pretty textbook uh, things that will happen to us and even our own thought processes and how we care for ourselves, care for our family, care for our staff, care for our careers. Um, Even, you know, when we're talking about uh, the doctor you were referring to who had committed suicide, you know, I think it's really interesting that right before he committed suicide, uh, I was reading in an article that they were actually calling clients saying, or, and uh, patients saying that he wasn't coming in. So to me, that's an absolutely huge warning sign when the very career that you've created at the expense of everything else then becomes affected by personal behavior. And um, so I think for any uh, physician um, in any field, when you start seeing the very thing um, that, that's been important to them, their, their career, at the sacrifice of everything else, that they begin to sacrifice that career, that is a huge and immediate warning sign. And it is a warning sign that almost everybody uh, neglects to understand. And that's the message that I really want to have today. Now, when you look at a physician who's in the public eye and the media, 
than who they are as a person and their personal strengths and, and kind of their ability to develop a thick skin becomes really important because the media can be very flattering at one point and very cruel at another point. And I would think with uh, physicians who are involved in cosmetic procedures, there's a general perception. Yeah, you know, and I do know, I mean, being in the media myself, is there really is, I mean, I have seen and watched and watch it every day where the media, you know, they build somebody up one moment and then they tear them down the next minute. You know, that is something that just um, is, you know, is just kind of part of the media, I suppose. You know, you're listening to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today's guest, Carla Lundblade, is a clinical licensed therapist. Today we're discussing depression and suicide in the aesthetic industry, which as many of of us have have seen with... um, recent high-profile suicides, which have left many of us kind of scratching our heads and just wondering what the heck happened and why did that happen. Um, Here at Aesthetic Insider, we felt this was something that was of interest to many of our listeners. Carla. Um, another question hey. for you. Hey, yeah, another ca- another question for you. Um, you know, back to the Dr. Frederick Brandt conversation, which we were, you know, just discussing recently. Um, the truth will never be known as to just, you know, what was his true reason. Um, you know, there's been lots of conversation of, of just many things, um, some that may be true, some that may not be true. Um, you know, can you shed any light on, on, a, on a physician such as this who, you know, obviously had his personal childhood issues. Um, he was, you know, um, as far as I, I understand from what the media says, you know, he was a gay man in a time when, you know, I mean, when homosexuality and acceptance is still happening today, you know. Um, he was, he was you know, 60 years of age. He was really, really successful and artistic and lovely and, you know, just a pioneer in breakthroughs. Um, can you shed any light for those who, you know, just really care about him as to just what you think may have happened? Oh, well, that's a that's a really, really sweet question to ask and a really important question to ask. You know, I think I want to start with a question of, you know, who doesn't have personal issues and who in this life doesn't experience uh, tragedies or situations that would cause us to even question our very existence. You know, I think really all of us, it's a human condition to consider suicide at uh, different points in our life. Definitely as you hit 50 and 60, that's the developmental stage in our lives where we kind of look back and wonder if the majority of our life is over. And so there are a lot of things there that, you know, I think are really important. I think, um, you know, people have to realize suicide is a choice of the individual, and they only knew what they knew at the time. A lot of times when somebody is suicidal, they are very deliberate in hiding what it is they're thinking, what it is they're doing. Um, Even, you know, as I researched some information about him, um, it was clear that he had people concerned about him, but their understanding of what he was doing and thinking and what he actually was doing and thinking was very different. So I think my message to friends and family is 
you only know what you know at the time, and you have to realize that that person, in all likelihood, especially if they're professional, are going to go to great lengths to really hide what it is they're thinking, what it is they're feeling, and maybe even what it is they're planning. You know, that is such a great um, thing to think about because, you know, you did say how, um, you know, I mean, I even just remember from when my father died, which was not by suicide, but it was he knew he knew he was, you know, his life was going to be over pretty soon. He'd had a series of heart problems and, and different issues. And when he actually died, it was the, the things that he had taken care of that my mother wouldn't have to worry about, you know, taking care of as far as financials and cleaning up debts and just all kinds of things for the house. And um, it, it was amazing, you know, that he had thought about all of those things ahead of time. Um, are there any warning signs, like you said with, with Dr. Brandt, for instance, is he, he was kind of neglecting what he had spent all of his life creating? Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, that's one of those signs that you see at the tail end of the planning and the thought process that he's been hiding for a substantial amount of time. I would be willing to, um, you know, think that that would be the case. You know, I think what's important is rather than focusing on a conversation specifically about suicide with an individual that is going to be very motivated to hide it, is to look at this conversation in a different way. There's kind of a, a triangular relationship between three things that I see. And, you know, part of my title, in addition to being 911 celebrity therapist, is elite skills analyst. And really, I am the clinical, clinical therapist for the successful. And even that has kind of a weird thought. It's like, why would I need a clinical therapist? Well, you know, my answer to that is, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't any of us? Um, when an, an ordinary, everyday person develops a life that's extraordinary, that's going to be an extremely difficult journey, and it's going to be filled with situations that are very difficult. A lot of people are blindsided by that. They don't understand that, especially when they come into the public eye. And so knowing those pitfalls ahead of time and preparing for those pitfalls can really eliminate, you know, stepping into those pitfalls that could ultimately end up um, in a very desperate person at the end of their career. So those three things are the relationship between success, uh, suicide, and the myth that anybody successful is going to be least likely to commit suicide. And what happens within that triangle is nobody's having the conversation. When somebody's very successful, that it's a very difficult conversation to have with that person. That successful person's going to come back and give this rehearsed speech to completely hide what it is going on inside. And what's unfortunate about that conversation is that person still remains isolated. So how do you break through with a highly successful person who is very motivated to not tell you the truth? And I think that becomes a question. And it comes down to all of us really have a fear of communication or buffoonery, as I like to call it. It's almost a fear of looking like a buffoon. And I think that's the first thing we need to get over is that we just have the conversation, no matter how messy it is or clunky it feels or, or anything, it's have the conversation. Take the risk to have the conversation. Know that suicide is as common to all of us as any of our medical conditions are or as aging. We have to have the conversation. 
You know, I would think, you know, that, you know, part of what we we talk about a lot is, you know, kind of creating balance in our lives. And, um, you know, I think with a physician, like, you know, as you said, they, they, they work so hard, they go through medical school and then they, they work so hard and, and maybe don't put some of the things like family and time for themselves as a priority. Um, and therefore then, you know, you reach middle life and maybe you're not quite where you want to be or, you know, you, you are just fed up with doing what you've been doing for so many years. Is how do how do they? You know, again, it's like the conversation. How do they get that conversation started? What is what what are things that you know a physician can say? You know, what I have reached this time. Are there some milestones I should have met? I should be looking at to just make sure I'm taking care of my own mental and physical health. I think first thing is to completely normalize that process. I think it's really interesting that successful people don't talk to each other about the personal struggles that they're having, and yet each one of them is having that identical personal struggle. I've had that in my career. I've had, you know, a public career. I've had to balance my family. Boy, there would be a whole show on that stuff, let me tell you. And, you know, and I definitely see from my perspective, because people do show me themselves in a different way that they will put on their public persona, and for that I'm so grateful. And to be honest, that's the most beautiful part of any individual. You know, when they come into my office and they sit on my couch and they walk through that door, they're a warrior in their lives already, and that's truly the way I see them. It's the truth. It's not that they're a quitter or that they're weak or that they're mentally um, not capable. In fact, it's the opposite. And they are also somebody that's looking for progressive change. They're saying, Carla, I'm coming in here. I've had this great success in my life. I'm having these problems here, usually in the personal life. I can't quite figure it out. And I'm willing, I've taken myself as far as I can with what I know, and I'm willing to make it better and make it bigger. That is a way different mindset than someone coming in and saying, I totally wrecked my life, my personal life a mess, I'm a total failure, I'm a fraud. If people knew what was going on on the inside of my life, they would hate me. Um, Those are two different mindsets to walking in and seeing a therapist. And I would say absolutely every physician out there should see a therapist, should do some personal development. And because none of us sees ourselves clearly, that's also part of the human condition. You know, and so it is a wonderful process that helps give somebody clarity, and it's private. And I think that's a really important first step for any professional is to kind of get their legs underneath them about how they're publicly going to be honest with themselves. And what better way to do that than with a clinical therapist where you're guaranteed that there's confidentiality and um, and hopefully you're looking at in- improvement. Yeah. You know, it's um, and, and I know I can say this candidly, and, and most of our physician listeners and physician friends and clients of mine will say, you know, a doctor is the worst patient in the world to have. <laughs> they really are. I mean, and I, I have. Yeah, I, I am. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, but they're the worst patients to have because you know it's like physician heal thyself. Well. How, how, as a physician, you know, do you kind of just, like, throw the cards on the table and say, help me? You know, like, is there any anything that we can kind of get through to them today that it's okay to reach out and ad- admit 
that you just cannot carry the world on your shoulders all the time. Well, and it's proper delegation. Maybe you can if you have a great support team and maybe a therapist and a career analysis, you know, an analysis of your career and your balance is just the step you need to enter the next step of the stratosphere of your successful career. And I think that paradigm has to happen. Um, You know, I'm a great referral source. You can reach me at carlolundblade.com. Send me an email. It's completely confidential. I'm a licensed clinical therapist, and, you know, I will make sure that you get wonderful referral. Um, You know, I have to tell you, as a successful person, as a very driven person, as somebody who has all six of those, those character traits as well, Um, I know it's hard sometimes to find a a therapist or a psychologist that understands that driven personality. Um, Oftentimes people have this idea in in, uh, therapy that, well, I'm going to have to sit, I'm going to have to be broken, I'm going to have to cry and get in touch with my sensitive side. And Boy, that's just so not the truth about it at all. It's actually letting out the pain and really taking charge of stuff and looking at things in your life in a different way and coming up with new solutions that really work. And, you know, part of the wonderful clientele that I work with is the drive and the termination and the roughness and the raw edge. And, you know, there are are professionals like me that can handle that, that enjoy that, that want to propel that forward and move that forward. And so I think it's different. Um, I hate to use the word coach because then we kind of start looking at life coach and that's not somebody educated the way I am or licensed the way I am. And uh, But it really is um, a coaching in the sense to add more to your life. This isn't about dressing you down. This isn't like the old you know, ideas of Freud and we're going to just regress you back to a a sniveling five-year-old. It's not about that. It's taking where you are right now and building it forward. And the sad part is physicians in this time in their career, the most common thing they think is, my best years are over, I have nothing to provide, I look in the mirror, I'm not as attractive as I used to be, especially in the cosmetic industry, what do I have to offer? I'm lonely and those are the very things that we can build on and take that career that you've already created and actually make your career better and your life better, but almost no physician understands that or knows that at that stage. Well, what's been interesting in the aesthetic industry in the last 20 years is it really has, I mean, it's really coming to its own as far as being a kind of bona fide medical field. Um, not that it was <coughs> Not that it wasn't before, but it definitely is just, it's so in the public eye. I mean, I don't think there's a person on the planet at this point who doesn't know what Botox is, you know. Um, and and then it has become where there are like celebrity surgeons um, in our industry. And then, you know, we have like, you know, the Dr. Oz and the TV shows The Doctors. And there's all of this like, in you know, in the public eye, this expectation, I think, as well of, who these guys are and what they do and they're all ultra successful and they're all making millions and you know driving luxury vehicles and and it's not like that for everybody <laughs> you know um so i think that that has a lot to do as well with it's kind of like you know building up to something that isn't always it's like you know um the wizard of oz you know behind the curtain is a, just a human being right, right. 
And, you know, what? I haven't met one athlete, one celebrity that doesn't have bad skin, bad hair, and sweatpants, you know. And I think we don't see that in the public eye, but also emotionally we have traditionally human, you know, characteristics where we question our relationships. Did we do a good job? You know, I'm speaking from my life here because I think that's important too, you know, is is for me to be a good role model to say, hey, you know, sometimes this shit is broken. That's just all there is to it. And you look at the good work you do in the world for other people, your work has to be bigger than you. Physicians know that. You know, that's why they're doing what they're doing is not only to create a good life for their family. In theory, that's, you know, why they do what, do what they do and sacrifice for their careers, but also to do good work that's bigger and better than yourself. You know, that's a necessary thing for us to do as human beings. And so just to understand understand that the road is going to be messy. There are going to be times where you think you're, you're going to come across things that you think you can't overcome. And the sad part is sometimes when you talk to people, they're also hiding their internal stuff. And so you're never, ever really having a great conversation. And I think you've got to be okay with your life being messy or um, have a grace in trying to figure something out because, as, as you well know, I'm sure, in your profession um, is as soon as you get everything figured out, something unforeseen, something huge will drop into your life, and now you've got to learn how to deal with that. Am yes. I right about that? Does that happen for most of us? Absolutely. I mean, it's always happy. It's not, not one thing, it's another. You know? Gosh, no <laughs> joke. got to ride with the storm. <laughs> And, and yeah. see, that's or riding the roller coaster is like you get you get to the point where you realize that it is normal to have the heights of ecstasy and the depths of depression to be so glad that you're alive and and then sit there and go, God, why am I even living? What is the point? Yeah, why that me? Is, <laughs> why me? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I wow. think if we normalize that. And I don't care who you are. You know, like I like I've said in my career, the bigger the athlete, the more macho they are in person, the more emotional content there is going to be privately. And I have such this this beautiful perspective and this window into real people. And I'm telling you, if you were able, you know, I'm governed by confidentiality, and a lot of times people come to me first with things that they've been carrying forever. And it is a real honor, and uh, I, I love this work that I do in the world because then I can give them power about what it is in their mind or their thought process that is holding them back. And, you know, we can strategize that. We all have that. And so it's okay just to be raw and um, not mannerly, not civilized, not controlled. There has to be a part of your lo- your life where emotion and disappointment and all those things can come out in a safe environment that helps to build you. And, you know, as physicians, it's the public eye. You know, you're public, you're reserved, you're conservative everywhere you go. The system is designed to create that in you, and yet it dehumanizes you with yourself. You may be very human and very loving with your patients and your clients, but it is very dehumanizing to yourself. And that's the part I help any physician to work on. Yeah, and you do. You you forget about, like you said, it's like they're putting the care out there to their patients, but but then neglecting themselves. 
and um, and self-care, which is not just physicians that do this. I mean, I think people just in general, you know, um, don't always put themselves first. You know, so something about Carla, you know, we have um, less than two minutes left on the show. Um, I would like you to remind our listeners um, how they can get a hold of you um, with any questions, any help that they might need. Um, the best, if you can just repeat that for us, would be great. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's very easy, just my name.com, Carla Lundblade. The hardest part is spelling my last name, but obviously you'll see it on the show link here, carlalundblade.com. I also have a Facebook page, LinkedIn. You can find me there. I guarantee you with that last name, there is no other Carla Lundblade. You will find just me. If you <laughs> we have know there's no other Carla Lundblade. <laughs> You're amazing. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, and I do know that, actually. <laughs> As a therapist, yeah. I know we're all unique. But um, definitely get in touch with me. Reach out to me. I work with clients all over the world in highly successful professions. You know, it's funny. I'll sit here a lot of times with my clients, no makeup, a, a coffee cup that's probably bigger than my head. And, um, you know, we'll sit here and we'll have very real conversations about what goes on. There is absolutely no excuse why anybody cannot schedule this kind of wonderful therapy, this kind of career improvement into their lives. And um, I would just consider it an honor for anybody to reach out to me specifically or ask me for a referral, how to look, how to shop for a therapist in their area, if that's what they're wanting. I'm a great referral source. So please, please, please reach out. Don't suffer alone. That voice that's going on inside your head has gone on inside of mine, and let's just talk about it, and let's start looking at some some solutions because you're definitely worth it. You are absolutely worth it. And that's my message. Carla, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. This was so um, uh, mind-boggling, mind-opening. Um, it was wonderful. Thanks again, and um, we'd love to have you back on the show soon. Thank you, Angela. I'm delighted to be here and very honored. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs> 